Good Wednesday morning. My goodness. This is Edward Marlowe, host of the For Those Who Inquired podcast, and there's a heck of a lot of sports going on right now. You remember when we were crying? There's no sports. I wish we had something going on. Yeah. Some genie was out there going like, all right, I got you. I'll give you what you want. And here we are. It's I, I, I have to cram all this in in a day, and you're the same way, but, uh, but I like it to a point. But uh, it's almost a little too much right now. There's a lot going on right now. In studio here with Neil Bradley for our weekly discussion about all things Murray State Athletics and really anything else that comes to our, our dang minds. How about that, Neil? Yeah. Um, I, I like it. Let's do it. Let's do it. But we have uh, maybe high school brackets came out today. Yeah. NCAA tournament starts. Yep. And that's just stuff that isn't even being played yet. That's not even. And all the stuff that's being played. Yeah, that's not oh racer athletics. Gosh. Yeah, and, and we're, we're actually two and a half, two weeks away to the day uh, from the start of Kentucky baseball and softball high school. Um, which I know after the after those teams missed the season last year, uh, Kentucky high school tennis has already started. Uh, Kentucky track and field, I believe, has already started. So just we're running and gunning. That's that's what it's going to be for the next about ten weeks, I'd say, up until about Memorial Day, and then we'll be into postseason play for track and field, tennis, baseball, and softball at the high school level. Be really exciting. With fingers crossed that by next fall we'll be. If not at normal, close to normal. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, uh, the dishwasher is scheduled for her vaccine on Friday. Really excited right. for her. Uh, I know that many others in Western Kentucky are are getting their vaccines as well, and I know it's a really kind of a, a special time right now in that regard. She getting the Moderna, Pfizer, or the Calipari? Uh, I think she's getting the Calipari. Okay, okay. that's yeah. good. Yeah. The what, one, and, one and done. Nice. So. That's good. Well, they were one and done this year because they weren't in the bracket. Oh. Oof. Hmm. Did you see that when Sister Jean uh, for Loyola, Loyola's 101-year-old Yeah, uh, I, I know chaplain. her. Yeah. Not personally, but know her. Yeah. She, she's awesome. Yeah. She literally, on a Zoom call yesterday with college basketball reporters, she literally shouted out Kentucky. She said, well, I need to make my bracket, and I'm looking around. I don't see Kentucky anywhere. Ooh. Oh. Oh, I love it. You can't it. really hammer a 101-year-old even if you didn't like it. Oh, God. Just a, a lady of the Lord laying a smack down on Kentucky fans. Yeah, you, you just got to give her that one. Like, I love right. it. If you, To me, if you get to that age, you can say whatever you, you want. You can say whatever you want. It's like, shut up. Let them say what they want. When you get to 101, you can say what you want. <coughs> Excuse me. I coughed because I was laughing. It was hilarious what she said. I, and I, it's not even about pouring salt on Kentucky for me. It's just... Sometimes I think with college basketball, we lose sight of what this year has been like um, and the expectations that come with it. Uh, and unless you were perfectly built from the ground up, like a Gonzaga, like a Baylor, you just were going to have a tough time with this year anyways. I don't care who you are. And yeah. that's doesn't matter what level, from, from Division three all the way up to the powerhouses of Division one, We've seen upsets. And we see that every year with college basketball, but we've seen, I would like to think, I don't know the numbers behind it, we've seen a ton of college upsets. We've seen some, seen some lopsided scores, some box scores that made it, you know, scratch our heads a little bit. And it's just, there just wasn't a lot of rhythm with basketball this year. And, uh, you know, about the only two teams we saw with any great perpetuity, three, I'll throw a third, really I'll throw four, and it's the four one seeds, and we'll go into the tournament a little bit later. But, you know, I think the four one seeds are very deserving. Gonzaga's unbeaten. 
Illinois was really good. Michigan was really good. And Baylor was really good. Okay, let's roll. Let's just see what happens. Let's roll. Those are the four best teams consistently throughout the year. Speaking of college basketball, I wanted to spend a few minutes here to kind of say goodbye to Breon Whitley. Murray State men's basketball, he announced on Tuesday afternoon uh, through what I thought was a very strong, heartfelt post, um, almost a joint statement. I would think almost, I felt like Murray State men's basketball kind of gave him a little bit of a platform to say thank you. I appreciate my time here. I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got two years of eligibility, uh, one for the COVID, one for the for redshirt. You know, he did not play the 2019-20 season due to an unfortunate injury that just never really could. They tried to heal it and tried to get him on the floor. It didn't happen. Comes back as what was ended up being his last year at Murray State. Starts those first, what, 13 games, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw him really take off offensively. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, during that about 10-day period where there was the layover for the racers, where they didn't end up playing SEMO, they didn't end up playing SIU Edwardsville, and there was the team reset, he just wasn't part of the second-half plan. You know, he lost his starting job, ended up playing spot minutes the rest of the way, and still t- stayed positive. And he's uh, had a cool career. Neil, you've had a you've had a couple of really interesting moments with him. I know he did a really unique interview with WPSD. Uh, I urge anybody listening to go and watch that. Jeff Bidwell of WPSD posted that. Did a really unique interview when we were all up in in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, but just a unique individual who gave the racers, you know, everything they could, and and he's moving forward. And I wish him the best. And, and here's what I'll tell Breon: play your basketball if you want. But I'll tell you what, he is an amazing uh, individual in terms of uh, talent in front of the mic and t- talent in front of the camera. But he wants to do broadcasting, politics. To me, the sky's the limit for him. Yep. Uh, th- those are areas that he might might want to really think about because I, I don't think he could be uh, just an average or above average person. I think he could really be something special and uh, be able to use uh, his platform to, to do some amazing things. But uh, – uh, really, really proud of him. What he what he accomplished here, and uh, the way that he handles that, uh, a, a lesser person would have handled it a much different way. Didn't do it, and uh, uh, I, I applaud him. Certainly wish him the best. If he decides to play basketball and uh, catches on somewhere, I hope he lights it up for him. Yeah, he's redshirt junior with two years of eligibility. I don't mind putting the resume out there. Six four two hundred. Uh, worked back from missing that in you know from missing the twenty nineteen twenty season. Uh, McMahon rewarded. Matt McMahon and, and the staff, I think, rewarded him for his effort getting back on the floor by starting him this season. I do think he was a strong contributor early. I do think there was a defensive presence that was missing. I think Breon would probably be the first person to tell you that. The lateral quickness maybe just wasn't there uh, due to the rehab situation probably, and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. I, I'm not going to yeah. postulate as to what would cause that, but – I just think from a defensive presence that there were some certainly some key elements missing in that part of his game. Mm-hmm. That being said, still an elite offensive player, was one of the better three-point shooters for the Racers this year. Uh, and, and the really big year that he had was in 1819 uh, alongside John Morant and those guys. He was a critical three-point presence off the bench. Went 21 for 45, 46%. He couldn't ask for much better. Uh, and, again, took 45 threes in 30 games. I mean, he was going to spot up for a three when he came in. And he brought defensive energy then because he could. Yeah. Uh, he, you could tell that he had it at one point, not as much this year. Yeah, and and, I, and like so I said, I think 
I think that's probably the one thing that was maybe was sapped from him. I think so too. Was an elite defensive presence, uh, and and at this level, you need that. That being said, um, I did reach out to him uh, as he is kind of a free agent at this point. Um, he said that he's approaching grad school. He, you know, he, he's going to walk away from Murray State with a degree. He is approaching two years of eligibility, and he thinks he could still play somewhere. Oh, yeah, and, I'm sure uh, good. I'm absolutely believing that. And uh, I, I want to mention one thing, and this is why I like talking about chemistry so much because it's so important. I, I don't necessarily know if chemistry was a huge issue for the racers this year. Maybe culture is more of the, you know, what it takes to win, the mentality of everybody's after us. But as far as attitude was concerned, I completely agree with you, Neil. Breon could have sulked after the midway point of the season after losing his job. It's hard to lose your job. It's difficult. It's painful. It doesn't feel good. Nobody likes to have that conversation. Uh, but in basketball, you can only play five guys, yeah. and your bench can only be so deep. And he played as hard as he could. I'm sure they had to have a heart-to-heart conversation about it. Because he went from starting to just virtually not playing uh, until you know different minutes came up late in in late game situations and and so he just I always felt like at least from an outwardly appearance on social media he always exuded a, a, a sense of positivity even when the season wasn't going as well as it could have. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's how I that's how I feel about that one. So um, wish him the best. Does open up a scholarship opportunity for the racers? I don't know what's next. In that regard, we've seen several names floated about on social media. Go online and Murray State transfers, and it's like everybody on the planet has spoken to Murray State. Yeah, uh, it sounds like the staff is certainly doing their due diligence on transfers. If those are all true, yes. If if they're all super true, exactly. And I'm sure they are, even if it's just a reach out, a cursor email, text message, DM. Hey, give us a call. Could be. We're looking for help. Serious interest on all of them. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how you have serious interest in like thirty guys. That's right. Uh, you know, but I mean, but I mean, you know, if you if you're if you're looking, you know, you can tell on social media there is at least a an all call. Hey, we're looking for some veteran presence, you know, to to add to this yeah. young core of talent that we've got. Um, will other spots open up? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I would like to think probably, but. I, I I could be wrong. Yeah, but it happens every year. Even even when the team's winning, it happens. So I mean, yeah, you, it, it goes to say, yeah, there will be spots open. We don't know which ones. It's just the way college basketball is right now. It is, and it's certainly open right now. Yeah, it's uh, open for business. Uh, is really a good way to put it. Murray State football. Yeah. Let's just start with the fact that they're ranked for the first time since 2011. In we'll both polls. So it's not a fluke like, ah, those guys in that poll don't know what they're talking about. Let's just start 25 there. and 24. What are the, the, They're 25 and 24? Yeah. 3 and 0. Oh. Another come from behind win after a big time. You're up 30 to 10. Let's just start there. You're up 30 to 10 after your second pick six. I believe it was Quinas Turner, 82 yards. Yeah. Down the sideline. Middle of the third quarter. You're coasting. You have taken Willie. Uh, Miller. Miller. I could not think of it. I almost said Willie Green, and I was like, that's not right. It's Willie Miller. Uh, Willie Miller. Ex-wife's last name. Right. Easier for me to remember. Yeah. (laughs) Ex-wife's last name. That's good, Neil. You just, sometimes you just It is what it is, man. You just can't take those words back. I love it. Um, Willie Miller was, I thought, very good, actually. Uh, Kurt Taylor Jr. thought was 
really good. These are two guys that are backups at Tennessee Tech. They basically had to start because Bailey Fisher and uh, I believe it's a Gist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gist was out as well. They were both hurt. That wasn't even like a that was an issue that they had had. This is a Tennessee Tech team that had already come back and beaten Austin P. Uh, at Austin P, if I'm not mistaken, won the turnover battle. I think four to one there. Yeah, and uh, guess who won the turnover battle on Sunday? The Racers again. They're, they're doing it every week. Every week, three and zero now because they forced ten turnovers in three games. They forced four, two pick sixes, another interception late to seal the win. Devonte McKee, and then a fumble recovery by the oh defensive player of the week in Eric Samuda, who had the first pick six. 75 yards rumbled the house. This is what's impressive. And to me, this is a team that shows signs of being a championship team because they lost the yardage battle. They lost the time of possession battle. And uh, normally when you lose those, both of them, you're going to lose the game. They also gave up a special teams touchdown. Sure did. You're usually Put those three together, it's almost always going to be lost. They still found a way to win. They won the turnover battle. Uh, and uh, to me, that, that was huge. Defense scoring a couple of turnovers. And uh, then they also had three sacks and didn't allow any. Those are two reasons they won the game. Oh, yeah, they have eight sacks through the first three games, too. They have yeah. ten turnovers forced and eight sacks. They're getting a ton of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And they're getting ready to play a team that gives up sacks and gives up a ton of tackles for loss. 27, yep. I think, through three games for Tennessee State. Can't let that put you to sleep. No. You got to stay aggressive. But the one thing that I will say, too, from an offensive standpoint, I thought Tennessee Tech did a really good job trying to take away the run. I do understand a couple of jet sweeps uh, went in Murray's favor to kind of even that out a little bit. The Racers did still run for a rush for 100 yards. I thought they did a good job limiting DeMonta Witherspoon. 15 carries, 39 yards, did get two short yardage touchdowns. The one where he leaned over the goal line, huge. Yeah. But they did a good job throttling that. But guess who was open? Lamartez Brooks. He had a big day. So did Jacob Bell, yeah. actually. But Lamartez Brooks had the big day, for sure. 10 catches, 115 yards. The 11-yard touchdown on the right sideline, just inside of the chalk, to take the lead back for good and be the game-winning touchdown was an elite, elite catch. And it was to the point uh, for a little part of the game, I'm sure the Tennessee Tech fans are going like, you guys do know you're supposed to maybe cover him because they're throwing to him every time. They, they just kept throwing to they him. They covered him. Yeah, I they just couldn't stop him. On that touchdown throw, he is covered on his back right shoulder, Yeah, and Preston still made the throw, and Brooks still made the catch. And made, my, made guys miss. I mean, it, 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 it was a great day. That's why they want to get the ball into his hands as much as possible because of that elite talent that he has. Yeah, and I think Jacob Bell, I want to give him a lot of credit. He had two sweeps for 30 yards, five catches for 43. When you can get a guy like him involved as well as your secondary receiver, um, I, I just think it's extremely interesting. I think it's, think it's good that you can get that kind of production out of your number two receiver. And again, this week against Tennessee State, they might run the ball 40 times and those guys get two catches total. That's what we've seen now through three games. They are taking what the defenses are giving them, and you don't have guys like Bell, Brooks, Rodney Castile. Castile had one catch this week and like three carries, but his 14-yard catch was another wheel route that set up a short touchdown for DeMonta Witherspoon. I just, I'm, I'm seeing some cohesion 
right now. And uh, that's interesting and exciting to see. Uh, these are a lot of pieces that have been here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not trying to... I'm not challenging anybody or anything. I Every situation is a different situation. But I think after a year and a half of being with this staff, maybe you and I, you and I have talked a lot about it. Maybe Hood and this staff finally did just get enough time to be with these guys to develop a football team. And maybe that's what they needed all along. But that's not how you play football. It's like, let's shut down the program for, for about 400-plus days, Yeah, get you guys ready, and then we're going to come out and win. Well, they can't, but they had no choice. So this is this was their choice. You either win, work to get better, or you'll end up playing like you did the year before if you don't buy into what Coach Hood and his staff are there, trying to and, sell you. And that's a great point. There are two ways that this could have gone, and I think it would have been positive either way. If the Racers were 0-3, we say, oh, man, COVID. Didn't go well. You know, just didn't have a lot of time to plan. Couldn't really get it together. Couldn't really get strong enough. Couldn't get ready. Didn't, no rhythm, no nuance, no, 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 no. We, we've got excuses, and, we, and it's a fair excuse, quite frankly. But you have the other way, too, where you say, okay, well, we've been off for 400-plus days, but we've been working hard behind the scenes. It shows. And it shows, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think either way it goes, you can spin it, I'm not trying to be a spin master here or a PR guy, but you can spin it either way. You start out 0-3 or 1-2, and you're like, well, we're just off to a tough start. Nothing's really been the same. We're not really feeling it. This is odd. Or you spin it the other way when you go 3-0 and and you say, we've been working hard. We've been pushing. We've been really, really trying to change the way that we think about the game. And maybe the 400-day reset... I think it'd be, I think it's worth a story if somebody's trying to write a long form piece about it. I think it's worth. Here's what a 400 day reset means. Um, obviously, it was tough to see the previous staff go, but obviously, it was positive to see the new staff arrive. And the guys seem to continue to mention that. Lamarches Brooks even said that. Talked about the you know I asked him a couple of questions about what the off season was like because it was a ridiculous off season. And Brooks said, "Hey, I love the old staff. Love those guys." They mean everything to me. But learning something new about the game of football has re-energized guys like Brooks and apparently other guys around him. And, man, when you're 3-0 and and you're nationally ranked yeah, and you, you haven't been that. Now you're feeling it. The, the guy who's going to be calling the game with me um, on Sunday, uh, we both watched the last team that uh, started out 3-0 in 1998. However, I was in the booth. He was on the field. Josh McKeel played on that team. Yeah. Now he's – had a coaching career. He's in administration right now. He's in the booth with me. That's how long it's been. He's gone through all that playing career a lot, and uh, that's how long it's been since this team was three and zero. Now, granted, it's a lot tougher to get to three and zero in normal times. Next year is going to be a prime example, or next season, yeah, because uh, you got 20. the two money games. Uh, you're going to have one or two almost every year, and in almost all instances, you're not going to have a great chance to win those games. So, going three and zero is tough. Uh, you sort of lay back on three and zero in league play, which they have done recently. But uh, the three and zero start to me is still historic, and being ranked for the first time since 2011 shows you how far this team has come in just a short amount of time. You want to dovetail just slightly onto what Sunday brings uh, for the Racers, and I'm really looking forward to being at that game. I think it's going to be a great home game, good atmosphere. But this is a Tennessee State team. I understand, you know, maybe isn't succeeding in certain ways, but. It's weird to talk about a kicker, but I'm going to talk about Antonio Zita, 
because when you make a 62-yard field goal last week and you kick another field goal with seconds to go to win the game against Eastern Illinois, you got to talk about it. And he is a weapon that he can kick from anywhere. Yeah. That, and, and if they're willing to play close games like that and just settle for field goals, he can win them a ball game single-handed, single-footedly. It's, he's an, it's an odd story because he left the team. Yep. Went to West Florida, and then he's back again. This is his second go-around with him. Yeah. And suddenly still having the same success that he had. I mean, he he, he has a an amazing foot and accuracy. Uh, the Racers have two guys on the team that have kicked 50-plus yard field goals. Uh, their accuracy, has it been what uh, Zetas has been, though? To this no, point? but I will say it's, it's kind of an unsung story. When the Racers win 36-31, and no one's talking about Adam Baum's 55-yard, no other way to put it, bomb. His, you name's, know? his name's Aaron. I did it, too. Oh, Aaron Baum, yeah. Why but did I Adam, say? Adam fits. It does. he's booming it, and it's Adam Baum. It's an Adam Baum. But <laughs> I did funny. it, too. I, I caught it. and uh, I was yeah. thinking Adam Baum in my head well, yeah. because of explosion. We're going to talk with the parents. You've misnamed him. He's got to be, with with what he's turned out to be, he's going to have to be Adam Bomb. Well, I want to give Zayden Weber a lot of credit, and really I want to give the racer football staff a lot of credit because I know special teams hasn't been perfect, and Dean Hood specifically, you know, really, you know, prides himself on special teams. He prides himself as a football coach, but he was a special teams coordinator at the University of Kentucky, and, you know, there have been a couple of breakdowns. That being said... Uh, they've rebounded from them nicely, and I actually like the rotation of kickers you're seeing. Like you're seeing a different punter try to get it. You're you're seeing a kicker try to get it. I they've, don't like it. They've really specialized. I don't like it though. at all. Do you not? No, I hate it. I actually as a broadcaster, I don't know who the hell is uh, punting. I don't know who the now they have settled into this. You have Halton who's handling the punts as of last week. Correct. Extra points is Weber. Weber. Bomb is the field goal. So at least I kind of have some sort of semblance of. Okay, at least I kind of know what's coming. Everybody's got a job. Yeah, I'm I'm all right with that. I like that. But though. the let's draw them out of a hat thing, and I know they're not doing that. But when you're up in the booth, it's it's the same effect. I don't know who's doing what down there. I don't like it. And but, I like and I and I get you want to be accurate. You want to tell people who's kicking the yeah, ball. Yeah. It's not just oh here's the kicker. Like you want to give it value. You want to give it a presence. And sometimes you can't tell the difference when 49 and 29. It's like I can't tell. I can't turn so I can see the other number. Who's Which doing kicker? It? Yeah. yeah. Just hold a placard up, which yeah. num- what your number is. <laughs> there you go. You love to see it. I say these things. Racers force those four turnovers against Tennessee Tech, and I honestly, there were a lot of different little things that helped them win that football game. Uh, one little note that I ended up mentioning in my story, I ended up watching the game play for play and uh, have tried to watch what I can when I can and uh, ho- hoping to see this Sunday's game as well against Tennessee State. One little nuance about the offense that I'm really enjoying is the jet sweep. I wrote a little bit about this on Sunday, and I asked uh, Coach Hood about it. When you've got guys like Castile, Preston Rice, and and Demonta Witherspoon in the backfield who can hold on the RPO and potentially run it up the middle, the jet sweep becomes a much more powerful option in your running game. The racers, and, and my math may be a little off, but I don't think it is, the racers have successfully run eight jet sweeps, or excuse me, ten jet sweeps in three games. It has resulted in 8.5 yards per carry. But also, to make those successful, if you went back through the film, how many have they shown? Right. Because you have to show a few to make it work. And then don't even run them. Exactly. You're right. you got to show the sweep and not sell it's like, it. Okay. 
and then you hope to put the defense. That's that's that coordinator's job to go. I think now is the time to pull it out. Yeah, boom, and it, and it works. And, and I realize on, in some instances that is a read by Preston Rice. It's called, and it's based on what I'm seeing. Whether it's going to be whether he keeps or tosses, yeah, keeps or tosses. Yes. Yeah. Let's just say that that call so far has been more right than wrong. It has. It's and been a good one. That's what I've. I'm really enjoying watching, looking for it. As a matter of fact, I find myself now looking for when it's happening and why. And that's probably my favorite part about sports reporting is I've, you can actually just find that nugget and just live with it and build a whole story on the jet sweep. It's boring to some people, but it's not boring to me. That being said, speaking of the old jet sweep... I don't even know if that's a good segue, but we're going with it. Uh, Murray State baseball just jet sweeped the University of Kentucky, thirteen to eight. It's a football score. I, I'm sh- I think someone with Kentucky sitting around is like, "Well, we're not in the NCAA tournament. It can't get any worse than this." And Murray State baseball went, <laughs> "Oh, oh, hang on. Let me ruin. Let, let us roll up thirteen <laughs> runs on a staff with a one point nine nine ERA. Let's ruin your week for you. Boom. Take, yeah, take, sorry. Take that. So." Yeah, don't, never challenge worse because it just got worse. And, and thirteen to eight is a football score. It is, Neil. It's a touchdown and a safety with a missed PAT for Kentucky, or two field goals and a safety, and it's a touchdown and two field goals for the Racers. My goodness, midweek win at the University of Kentucky. They can score some runs, but they can give up some runs too. So hopefully, I'll tap few, that down a little bit. Few numbers here, actually. I got some numbers for you, Neil. Team average for the Racers through sixteen games. They're hitting two sixty-two. You take that. 99 RBI through 16 games. You take that. You've hit 28 homers. Holy smokes. In 16 games. Neil, that's nearly two homers a game. That's insane. That's 1.75 homers per game. Wow. That's nuts. You are getting, you're guaranteeing a dinger and almost two per game. Yeah. And you hit six, I believe. Was it six against Eastern Illinois in one game? It was on a, on a day. I think it was in a doubleheader. That's still stupid. <clears throat> Neil, that's stupid. I mean, just the amount of power. Brock Anderson has eight homers through 16 games. Jordan Cozart has six homers through 16 games. Bryson Bloomer has four homers through 16 games. These are guys that are getting at bat, like they're getting a homer every other game. Essentially, Anderson is. Yeah, that's silly. And Cozart's close. I mean, MLB wise, that's an 81 homer season. <laughs> You know, just the way you just just <laughs> extrapolate that. Uh, sign those guys up for a short strat season. Sure, give me in a stratomatic oh, league yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. With those, I take with those numbers. Yeah. Brock Anderson eight homers through sixteen games. I'll sub you in, no problem. That reminds me, we have got to get our lineups. Have you turned your lineup in? The already? roster. The uh, roster. Lineups. Well, whatever. The, the roster. roster yeah. You turn your forty. Not yet. In? I'm still tinkering. I got to tinker with mine as well. Speaking of tinkering, Team ERA. This is probably the one concern that I'm sure. Uh, Coach Skirka and his staff are looking at right now. But at the midway point of the regular season, kind of close to the midway point, you know, this is where you can work. The racer team ERA is 602. The opposing, opposing opponent ERA is 627. So you'd Which like keeps that to them be, in every game. It does. That's You want to get it down to five-ish? Five would be good would be for team. For college baseball with aluminum bats, probably fine. Yeah. You can live with that. five I'd even take probably 530 or 540. I would would say so. If you can get that a half run down by conference tournament time, you'd be in good shape. Yeah. You'd be in really good shape. Because you know your offense is going to score, apparently, because you're averaging. Your opponent ERA is 627. 
Well, they got lots of guys that can hit. They don't say, well, if Brock Anderson's not hitting, then we're screwed. Or if Cozart's not hitting, no, they got so many guys, somebody's going to be on that day. Yeah, somebody's on at all times, and it doesn't matter what part of the lineup. Right. It's not just three and four. You've got one, seven, nine, six, they're all hitting. Um, When you're hitting 262 as a team, you're all hitting. Uh, because that means your on-base percentage, if you're hitting 260, your OBP is at least a minimum 300. Uh, and if your minimum OBP on your team is 300, you're doing you're doing something right. That's pretty that's pretty fantastic. So, baseball, 8-8, eight and eight, really, really big win, midweek win against the Wildcats. You have to see where that goes uh, moving forward. Murray State women's soccer, also winning right now. Matter of fact, haven't lost yet. 5-0 and oh after a huge 1-0 victory. At home against Austin P. That's amazing. Mar- Five and all, man. Marty Floyd with the game-winning goal, the only goal. You know your favorite sport. Yeah. Uh, scored the goal. The goal. Uh, one and zero now. Or she. That's her first goal. She's a pit transfer, actually, uh, sophomore. Uh, huge start for for Murray State women's soccer, who's been off. You know, it feels yeah. like forever. Same deal. Same yeah. deal. Yeah. They've been out for. Miss their spring, miss their fall. What do you do? Do you come in ready to play, and do you not play well and call it a year? Uh, just knowing you've got a fall coming up when everything, mm-hmm. knock on wood, hopefully returns to normal? Or do you come out and you've just been so geared up and ready to go that you rip it? And they're ripping it, man. Rebecca Kubin has been absolutely terrific as a senior. They have eight players with at least one goal, and they have seven players with at least one assist. That I, tells me the ball is moving at an extremely successful rate. And I think that's Villacris' first shutout. Is that right? Yeah, I the, think so. absolutely. First clean, first clean slate. A um, lot of synergy there. I've watched a lot of highlights. Watched a couple of halves of soccer when I've had some time at home to catch. Tell they're it. having fun. Yeah, yeah. You can tell they've missed it. Yeah, you can tell that they're absolutely. Uh, there is an energy here. And, and they were picked to win the league. I'm not trying to take anything away from that, mm-hmm. but they're at least just living up to that uh, prognostication. They are they are on board with being that um, team to beat, so to speak. They've gotten some really big wins. Have already had a couple of comeback wins, and it's it's just been really really cool to see them succeed. And they're halfway done with their season already. Mm-hmm. That's how quick that's flown by. And the way that their schedule is playing, actually, is kind of cool. They're playing Tuesday, Fridays, uh, which I think is kind of neat. It's kind of the first time that that's happened. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of rhythm there because yeah. they're not they're not having to wait, you know. Yeah, they're trying. If, people wondering why they're doing all these odd dates. You have Sunday football. How come you just don't play them traditionally? The ESPN Plus contracts are trying to get as many games on as they can. So they're tr- they have to kind of spread things out. You can't have everybody playing on the same day because you're not. You, we don't have that much equipment to let's do softball, let's do baseball, let's do football, let's do soccer, let's do volleyball. Can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Especially, you know, the odds of all of them being at home slim, but the chances of two or three of them being at home, they are. I mean, this normally doesn't happen because you have fall seasons for some of these sports, the spring seasons for the others, and this usually isn't an issue. But it certainly is this time. Yeah, and and the one thing that I will say too. Uh, Neil, I, it is tough, and it is making you know life a little bit more difficult in the Ohio Valley Conference and a lot of other conferences that are having to jam pack a lot of FCS and other tertiary sports into the same spring, late winter, early spring schedule. But um, I, I will say it's it's bringing an exciting atmosphere, 
you know, especially when you're winning. To see racer football be this successful, to, to see baseball this successful, to see softball. I haven't even mentioned softball in my list of sports at the moment. You know, uh, they had a tough extra innings loss against Memphis midweek, but they've won, you know, back-to-back OVC series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, their league series play has been really good. Yeah, so that's the one thing. They've, they've found their offense mm-hmm. once they entered the OVC, you know, and you knew – you knew Kara Amundsen was going to get that turned around. They played a tough non-conference schedule. Bats were kind of quiet, pitching really good, but the bats weren't really backing that up. Now, all of a sudden, you beat UT Martin in a series, and I believe you beat EKU in a yeah, series. Two yeah, out of three. That's great. You take two out of three in the rest of the year. They'll be fine. You'll be fine. Absolutely. You'll be in that conversation for the conference tournament, uh, which I know baseball, if I'm not mistaken, you know, aren't baseball and softball tightened this year? Or do they still have? Is it? It's not eight teams, is it? Or is it? Man, I, honestly, I can't, can't remember. I can't tell you right now. Well, <laughs> you know, when we get there, all right, we'll talk about it. But my mind is mush as well because yeah. I can't remember if they decided to go uh, a smaller conference tournament or not for baseball and softball. I just honestly don't remember. There's well, so been so many things happen in so many sports. Well, they made they made I all the know, changes. But we will know. Yeah, they made all the changes in the fall. And I don't remember what they settled on. Hmm. We'll talk about that when we get to it at some point. But it's good to see the spring sports playing well, uh, starting with football and working its way down yeah. uh, at Murray State University. What do you think about the first region bracket? Yeah, that just came out. And, um, you know, I have to go from the we carry games for the Callaway County girls and the Murray High boys, the two teams that are involved from this and gosh, are we giddy because it, it's a really tremendous uh, look at it. Uh, girls Saturday, Graves, Hickman, Marshall, Tillman, McCracken, Mayfield, Carlisle, Callaway. That's your first round. And the boys uh, Monday night, you have Carlisle County, Tillman, Murray, Mayfield. And then the Tuesday night first round games wrap up with McCracken County, Fulton County. And let's put a cap on it with Graves and Marshall County in the first round. One of yous are going home. In round one, Graves or Marshall County. But uh, I think it's an intriguing bracket, as it usually is. Uh, but uh, the local teams from Murray and Callaway, I think they have to be happy with their draw. Yeah, I want to start with the boys because, my goodness, what an actual – I mean, what a what a draw. First of all, I mean, my goodness, that top of that bracket, Carlisle Tillman will be a fun game for sure. You've got Garrett Hayden and Blake Elder versus Eli Brown and Mayan Shaw. Uh, you got Brian O'Neill versus Greg Overstreet. I think that's a great matchup. I'm not going to preview all these games, but I've already seen Murray and Mayfield play. Jeremy Bell and I were on the call a couple weeks ago when Murray went to Mayfield and played. Close game until the fourth quarter when Murray pulled away with a strong, strong 20-plus point win. And so, you know, obviously they've got Kenamore, they've got D'Angelo Brooks. Peyton Croft is a heck of a coach. They nearly stunned Graves County, uh, lost at the buzzer. To the Eagles in the third district championship are almost the buzzer uh, on a John Ben Brown layup. Had a late lead that just kind of evaporated on a neutral floor. That happens. It's March. It's crazy. And so you got to give Mayfield a lot of credit. Murray obviously can't sleep in that situation. If it's chalk, then you've got Murray versus Tillman in the semis, and they played a four-point game yeah. earlier this year, 56-52 in Murray's favor at Murray. So just a really, really exciting Top half of the bracket, bottom half of the bracket. Fulton County had a big win against Graves uh, a couple weeks ago. Graves was without a couple of its key players, but I, I'm not going to take anything away from that. Brian Hood, in his first year, 
uh, in replacing Jamie Madding, who stepped down uh, and stepped away from coaching for a little while. Uh, the Pilots have been pretty good. Uh, I know they're 99, but they've they've had some pretty key wins, and they've really kind of surprised some people with the amount of growth and athleticism that they've ex- exuded this year out of the first district. Um, that being said, McCracken has been unbelievable. I, I, I said on a podcast a couple days ago on a different podcast, sorry to cheat on you there, Neil, but uh, on a different podcast, I, I thought Paducah Tillman had a chance to win the regional title. I just think they have enough balance. And sure enough, McCracken County just absolutely obliterated them in the in the second yeah. district championship. Just I mean, just took them out of their game completely. And you know, and that's that's part of it. Uh, I'm not trying to discredit McCracken at all. They are terrific. They are sensational. Berlin Brower is uh, an incredible defensive coach. Probably doesn't get enough credit for the offense they run. Um, they just win games, and they have probably one of the best trios in the region in point guard Noah Dumas and a pair of wings and Ian Hart. Ian McCune, Brant Brower's been playing really well. You know, they've got guys that definitely fill in their roles appropriately, and they just defend their ass off. And, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have slept on that. I, I just thought Paducah Tillman had been surging and playing so strong the last couple of months, last couple last, last six weeks, really, that I thought maybe they could get over the hump. But uh, I was wrong. Uh, I was wrong. And, I, and who knows? The regional tournament's the regional tournament. Anything can happen. But I'd have to think McCracken probably has made its statement as the – uh, prohibitive favorite to win the regional title uh, and defend their crown. Um, that being said, we got Graves and Marshall uh, as the last game of the night. That's going to be so, so good. First of all, the two fan bases will both bring it. You can distance at the CFSB Center, but it's going to be loud as get out. Those two teams hate each other. They've always hated each other. They will continue to hate each other. And Graves has a key transfer in Marcus Isaiah and Drew Thompson. Thompson has been nothing short of spectacular this year, averaging nearly 20 points per game. And then you have Marshall that's healthy and, you know, trying to rebound from a tough fourth district loss against Murray uh, with Zion Harmon, who is Zion. You know, Graves will absolutely relish the opportunity to end his high school career, but Marshall County will absolutely relish the opportunity to bury Graves County and the Eagles. And again, they. I just have to mention it again. They hate each other. Is so, Harmon the guy that could have that one magical tournament that could push them to uh, his team into Rupp Arena? I think it's extremely possible. I can't rule that out at all. I mean, he is an he is an absolute. And the one time they played this year, he didn't play. I was at the game, and Graves just took Marshall out of the game because Zion wasn't able to really penetrate and create much against their defense. Uh, and John Ben Brown feasted uh, inside the post. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be extremely, extremely interesting to see that game. I love that it's an 8 o'clock game because everybody will be talking about it on the way home. Switch over to the girls super quick uh, as we continue to move through what's been a great podcast with you, Neil. I appreciate the time, as always. Is uh, is a girls bracket that does look fun. You know, you've got Graves-Hickman at the top. Uh, Hickman County has been a lot of fun this year. They're a team that can really shoot the three-pointer. Uh, Graves has been nothing short of spectacular this year. Uh, late loss against Apollo, uh, but other than that, have been really, really good uh, this year. Then you've got the un- the only thing that I will say that's really tough is you've got Marshall County playing Paducah Tillman in that second game, which if that holds to chalk as well, you've got Marshall Graves in the semi instead of Marshall potentially Marshall Graves in the final. That's mm-hmm. tough um, because it's technically your two best teams mathematically headed that that should have 
if they are on opposite sides, they, they go to the they go to the championship and face each other. Uh, two teams that you know, Lyndon Dunning, Marshall County graduate, Aaron Beth, former Graves County girls basketball coach. The storylines just all write themselves. So, uh, bottom side of that bracket, you're right, Neil. You make a great point. Callaway probably is 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 thrilled with their draw. That's a great great win for Carlisle though. They'd been pretty manhandled, woman handled, however you want to call that. Um, in the uh, first two matchups against Hickman County and Ember Wright and the the Lady Comets get it done in the first district championship. Up until last season, Neil, Carlisle County's girls had won nine straight district titles in the first district. Wow. Like championship games. They had been the yep. winning seed. And last year, Hickman County got it done. Uh, really good senior-laden team. And then this year, probably were the prohibitive favorite to win a second straight. And Carlisle got it done. Kiera Whitaker and a couple of uh, key players really playing a big role in their in their in their big time win against Hickman County. So that unfortunately put Hickman County in a loser situation, a, a second seed situation, runner up seed. And then Carlisle unfortunately drew Callaway, which is a really good eighteen and six that lost to Marshall, which is state ranked. I mean Marshall's a top top six top seven team right now. There are only two losses to uh, top five Bethlehem. And top five Southwestern. So just uh, what a neat little bracket we've got for both sides. Uh, the McCracken-Mayfield game I think can be sneaky good. Bradley Nanny has done a great job with the Lady Cardinals. And obviously Scott Civils, no stranger to anybody, should be should be a fun matchup. And that's a fun bottom of the bracket as well. If that holds to chalk, you're going to have Callaway versus McCracken in the semis with one of those two teams going to this, to the regional championship game. All right, and for for Callaway County, it's great when you think about what they've lost to get to the championship game. If they're able to do that, what a tremendous season they're going to to have had. Well, two things that need to be mentioned here. Number one, Valerie Waller, terrific job that that she's done, and her and her staff. They've been a lot of fun to watch. Such a big overtime win uh, against the Murray Lady Tigers, uh, who had a up and down season, but mostly a positive and strong season. I just want to give a lot of credit to Valerie. It's it's been, you know, I'm sure it was tough to hear uh, that Addison Hicks and and uh, believe uh, uh, resettle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both wanted to play softball. Not going to take anything away from that, but that's two really good basketball players that you thought you were going to have in the fold this year. Two young basketball players who would have really probably contributed, especially Addison Hicks. She's such a terrific three point shooter, uh, and instead. You know, they move on to focus on softball, more, and that's great. I wish them nothing but the best, but, you know, Valerie had to find other pieces mo- moving forward. Where was she going to get more contribution? And that's come from Madison Futrell. My goodness, and Addie Schumacher and Sonny Clark. And, you know, it, and Ellie also, Carson was hurt for a while, right? Right. Ellie Carson was hurt for cracked collarbone there yeah. in the middle of the season, and uh, she's back now. And that backcourt of Skylar Waller, who is the Golden Child 2.0? Yes, I'm bringing it back. Yeah, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, I've already brought it back once. I wrote about it. Skylar Waller is awesome because I got a head shake and eye roll one time from Valerie when I brought up the Golden Child. No, she is the Golden Child 2.0. Yes. No, and she is absolutely a blessing to watch uh, play basketball. First of all, she's just reckless, and I don't mind that. I don't. I'm not using that in a negative connotation. She's reckless. She will seek contact. Neil, I was doing some of the number crunching last week. In the regular season, Skylar Waller made 150 free throws. 
made 153 free throws. She seeks contact. She's a missile. She wants to hit a wall. She wants you to defend her in the post because she's not afraid to go up and, 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 and try to get contact and make a basket. She's a good three-point shooter. And then you got Ellie Carson, who is just a senior, who, who knows how to do things the right way. So really fun backcourt. A couple of really fun pieces around those two that can, you know, can make some big-time shots. It's going to be fun to see uh, just how far Callaway County and McCracken County in the bottom part of that bracket go. Let's look at the racer. Men made 260. She made 150. Yeah, personally. Yes, one player. The Murray State, you the Murray State the, men's the, basketball team. The men's team? team made two sixty. Two sixty as a she team made one fifty. Yeah, she's good. Now and, and they play high volume. A few more games. A few think. more games. Yeah, she's made one hundred and fifty free throws. Neil, yeah. I was blown away. Like I knew that she was good, and I knew that she was scoring fairly well this year. But she is definitely going to start taking on like that Charlie Settle absorb contact role. Yeah, she relishes the baseline. And you just don't – I don't mean this with any disrespect. You don't really see that a lot in girls' basketball, seeking contact. You oh, see a lot more precision, yeah. jump shots, three-pointers, so on and so forth. You don't really see somebody embrace getting the hell beat out of them. And I feel like Skylar just enjoys that. I don't mean that like that sounds, but it's just – she likes playing with that well, physicality. extra points for her. If, if you foul me, I'm going to score. Yeah. You, I I'm, love I love that. I'm making you defend me. Yeah. You will have to put your like body in front of me to stop me from getting to the rim. And uh she's good at that. That and being said, she's how old? She's uh, uh freshman? Uh eighth grader. Oh jeez. Okay, she's an eighth grader. So Yeah, yeah, Skylar's an eighth grader. So I'm just looking here. Okay, so they got good times cuz she's probably got curfew at 9. Yeah. Has to. So they thankfully she they plays early enough she doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, she'll be good to go. Yeah, 6:30 Sunset. if they were to win. Ooh, that 8 o'clock win on a Thursday if they win, that would be little, she may only play a half there. A little late. <laughs> Mom better, might let her stay up another hour. Better play in the first half then. My gosh. Yeah. No, it's Great. been it's been fun stuff. And I say these things and McCracken County has a star uh, freshman point guard in Claire Johnson. She's elite, man. Did mm. you see her behind the back pass? No, did not. Yeah, you should go see it. I'm going to suggest that to anybody. She had a behind the back pass in the district championship against Paducah Tillman. She dimed the absolute hell out of a back behind the back pass. I mean, I'll, I'll just say it that way. I don't care. I mean, it was it, it was, was successful. Oh, it was. Yeah, I can throw behind the back. It was just not successful. It was in transition, Neil. Wow, like dribble behind the back, left hand behind the back. Nice, gorgeous. I have seen so many kids emulate the Ja Morant passing package. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's because they're watching Ja Morant. I feel like they are. Probably are. Uh, Kwani McAllister has thrown no less than five underhanded left-hand whip passes into the into the mm. lane. It's and amazing. I'm, we didn't see that much at all till lately. I love it. I, I honestly think it's worth writing a story about as well because I think a lot of first region kids have picked up his passing package and worked on it. Yeah, that's okay. He's a good guy. If you're going to copy <laughs> somebody, that one's okay. Guys, top ten, top ten in assists in the uh, in the NBA right now as a second year player in the NBA. I say all these things and haven't even mentioned them. I, I know the Memphis Grizzlies are riding a tough schneid right now. But both Jaw, I, I encourage anybody that's a big racer fan to go kind of look at the numbers of what he and Campaign, who played their third game again, yeah, uh, this year. And Cam, 
Had a good game again. Yeah, he, he did. He's playing well right now uh, after the All-Star break. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, going to be really interesting to see. Since campaign has joined the Phoenix Suns, and it's not it's not just him. I know, obviously, Chris Paul and some other signees have done well. But since the bubble and this season has started, the Suns are 34-12. and He has been on the team. They are 34-12. and He has experienced 75% of the that, games have been wins. That sounds good. Yeah. If I'm Cameron Payne... I'm having fun right now. If I'm John Morant, even though this latest losing stretch has been tough, I'm having fun. He's playing well. Cam's playing well. And uh, just where we were kind of digressing from, it's good to see the kids, <laughs> the kids as they say, yeah. are uh, are picking it up. They're picking the passing up. I, 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 I'm not trying to say it is Ja, but I'm seeing passes that I didn't see five and six years ago in high school basketball at a local level. I And maybe they were there, and maybe I'm just kind of bl- blending the two together, but I really am seeing the underhand whip pass. Yeah, but you see, the impact that he had here, I mean, it's like it's one of the best players in the nation, and he's playing right here. Tons of people got to see If they didn't come to see him, they watched him on TV. Yeah. I mean, because he, he had a major impact, you have to believe, on any kid who's playing high school basketball right now. Around here? Like, around here, especially. I, I think it's possible. But I know he did. Like I said, when we went to uh, uh, Connecticut, he had people. They knew him. It's like, I'm from Vermont. I play at a grade school. I'm here to get John Morant's. It's like, what? But you're in Vermont. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're huge John Morant fans. It's like, but he's. we couldn't wrap our head around that. We had no idea the national impact he had till we got there. Then we knew. Just shows you that the world is a little bit of a smaller place. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, and the, the kids, you know, they had Morant jerseys on, Nike Morant jerseys. Like, well, those aren't really for sale. So I'm not really, <laughs> not really sure where you got those. Get, but but you, we'll just uh, not really worry about that. Where'd you get that. the printed jersey from? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I didn't, we kind of glossed over that part of it. But uh, nevertheless, they were still fans and they, like, look, I'll get it whether it's licensed or not. I don't. Yeah, I just, matter. I just wanted it's something with kid, his, yeah. something with his name on it. You know, us parents, if the kid wants it, like, all right, I'll go get it. We'll get it. Speaking of that, speaking of Morant, and speaking of uh, Connecticut, we'll segue into this as our as our final point. What do you What do you think about the NCAA bracket? Well, I made my uh, pick. I mean, I, I get into one. I, I can't keep up with fifty brackets. I don't know what. I just don't like doing that. I just I'm going to make one. I'm going to make like ten more. Jeez. Well, I pick. I pick one. And uh, I got through with my picks because of the. Of, I haven't seen a ton of college basketball this year, other than the games that well, I have to just be brutally honest. About sure, it. you've been, been busy. It's been a different year. Uh, it's not busy, just uh, just not in the mood to watch it. To be honest about it, um, but I saw Michigan play quite a bit, and I saw Ohio State play quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I watched several Big Ten games, watched several SEC games as well. Uh, besides uh, the OVC games that I saw. So I made my pick in the bracket, got finished, and I picked Michigan to win the whole thing. And then 30 minutes later, thought about the absolute agony I was going to have to experience rooting for a team that I absolutely despise. So I went back and picked Ohio State to beat Michigan in the championship game. So at least I can root for someone that I want to win it and maybe Michigan will get there. But Michigan's really impressive. They could certainly win it, but I don't want them to, even though I picked them. So That's I'll my just, pick. I'll run through this super quick. There are 20 teams with really strong odds. Starts with Gonzaga, 2-1, to one, for obvious re- reasons. Baylor, the one seed in the South, 5-1 to one odds. Illinois, 6-1. to one. Alabama, 20-1 to one 
as the two seed in the East. They're a trendy favorite to make the Final Four, and you know why. I mean, they won the SEC mm-hmm. championship. They have elite three-point shooting, good defense. They're good. Extremely balanced. They could win it. Really good. Iowa with, of course, Luke Garza. And I Joe. don't like them. I think they're overrated. And they may be. I mean, but they are. They have. They're an eighteen to one odds to to take it. Michigan is six to one. You've already mentioned them. They are extremely, extremely good. I will say it'd be really cool to see, you know, Michigan maybe pull it off. I, really, you you don't think with Juwan Howard as their coach? Don't care. Don't care. Michigan, Oklahoma State uh, with Cade Cunningham obviously is thirty to one odds. They can beat anybody with him. Arkansas fifty to one. The, the the Razorbacks have been good this year. Sorry, Kenny, they're not winning it. Yeah, sorry, Kenny. Uh, Texas with Shaka Smart, twenty five to one. Ohio State, twenty to one. West Virginia, who opens with Moorhead State, uh, that'll be fun. I think. I think that game is going to be just a defensive war. Uh, West Virginia is a forty to one odd as a three seed in the Midwest, but I'm really excited to see that game. Honestly, with uh, with Moorhead State. Houston, 18 to 1 is the two seed in the Midwest. Florida State would love to see an OVC, uh, former OVC assistant and player, and Leonard Hamilton win his uh, first uh, NCAA championship. Mm-hmm. That would be super cool. We're almost at the end here. Virginia is 14. Uh, they're a top, they're, they're, they're a 30 to 1. They're, CBS has them as a f- top 20 type opportunity. Uh, Kansas, eh, whatever, 35 to 1 as a three seed in the West. What's, what's Moorhead? Moorheads? Yeah, what's theirs? Uh, let's see. University of South Carolina, Texas Tech, UConn, and Purdue. Let me see what Moorhead's chances are. I'll Google that super quick. Oh, okay. I thought it was on the list. It I, was I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> no, they're not top 20. <laughs> Moorhead State odds to win. Yeah. Well, we're here. We'll look it up. Oh, we got it already? All right. Almost. To win the tournament. Because, mm. I mean, you know somebody's done it. Obviously not. No, they don't have them as the. Uh, not even. Don't have any odds on them. They have the odds for the game. They don't have odds for them to win the tournament. Okay, not even there. Well, I, I guarantee you, Las Vegas, you could make the bet because uh, they'd be happy to take your money. West Virginia is a twelve and a half point favorite. Okay, currently. So, and for those who inquired, who does Belmont play? Morehead. What, what, what is? Oh. Belmont doesn't play anybody. Oh, that's right. They, they didn't make it. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm going to go into that for just a second because I wrote about that for Clutch Points, actually, Uh-oh. clutchpoints.com. I picked three teams that I thought were snubs, and Belmont was at the top of my list. Moorhead State actually is uh, – the money line is uh, 20000 to win the championship. Okay. Plus 20000 that is very slim odds to win the championship as a, as it probably should as a 14 yeah. seed right for clutchpoints.com i've been writing for them part time here uh, the last two or three weeks um, i wrote a story picked three teams they just told me pick three teams that i thought were snubs out of the nba or the ncaa tournament belmont was at the top of my list and i understand that i'm an ovc homer i get that 26 and 4 neil i know you lost three games in the last four games the least they could have done was given you the automatic qualifier for the NIT. Which I was shocked at that. It didn't exist. Yeah. I, I know they didn't do it this year because of the field that was trimmed. But still, I thought that what sucked. What a joke. I thought that sucked. What a joke. Like, I actually, I'll just get vehement about it. Like, 
Yeah, I'll be honest. When I was going to Murray State University, I was mad at Belmont too. And yeah, but that, that's when, not when, a reason. To... When when Taylor Barnett hit the three, and the Racers got punted out of the NCAA tournament for that, despite being ranked going into that game, and they made it to the NIT as what a three seed. Yeah, I was frustrated, but I sensed that frustration from that season, and I can channel it now. Belmont got, you know what, we'll just say screwed. Well, who got in the NIT that shouldn't? I mean, who got in the NCAA tournament that shouldn't? Yeah, I realize that, but I mean, at least if you say, well, they didn't have any good out-of-conference wins, well, okay, then in the NIT they should be there. But come on. The fact that a 26-win team out of the OBC, we've sort of proven ourselves over the last few years as a team that can get in there and win some games. I, I don't understand. That was that one that was my number one point. Yeah. I said the last NCAA tournament in which some of these pieces on this team were part of, they went one and one and mm-hmm. should have beaten Maryland and got beat on a last second bucket. They were that close to the sweet sixteen. Yeah. Grayson Murphy was a part of that team. I, I don't understand Nick uh Nick Mazinski got healthy and was a part of that run. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Like what? Like what is the NCAA tournament field? Like I get same they stuff were, they've been doing for years. I get, I get, I get it. Same I old I hear it. I've heard it from people. I know that the Ken Palm, they were like 107. I know that in the net they were 90. I get that. That's the outside looking in. You were one of two teams with 26 wins. You were one of four teams with 10 road wins. You were one of 20 teams with four neutral court wins. And you went twenty five and three against quad three and quad four. You can't tell me that's not at least worth a play in yeah. or an NIT bid of one or two seed. I'm with you. I agree with you on that. That part, wherever you put them in the NIT or the first in or whatever, fine. I'm not saying give them that large. Even give them the play in of the sixty eight, the the first four. I embarrassing, embarrassing that people. And I agree. Not everybody likes Dick Vitale. But I completely agree with Dickie V's case. You lost two games because you had injuries. The Samford hurts early, and your non-conference hurts. But they were scheduled to play like the likes of Alabama. But they, they were, forgive everybody else. They, they just do. don't forgive teams in the OVC that lose, or, or, or some it, of the other similar or, right. conferences. Yes, exactly. Mid mid major. Yeah, they screw them, and it's so maddening to me. It is yeah. so maddening. The other two teams I picked, I actually said Louisville. I know a lot of people will kind of ride me because I, you know, have had negative comments in the past about Louisville, but it was mostly directed at allegations. I, I think Louisville uh, was jobbed. It did not help that they went four and six in their last ten games and did not have a great showing in the ACC tournament. Uh, but they had some really good wins early on, and they were thirteen and seven. They started the season nine and one with quality wins. Um, and they were six and zero against quad two, which if we're going by the net, six and zero against quad two tells me you can win a game in the first round. Mm-hmm. The other team I picked was Memphis, and the reason I picked Memphis is because they lost to Houston twice by a basket. Uh, of their eight losses, seven of them were by a single possession. They had the number four three point defense, or the number two three point defense, the number four total defense. Memphis was giving up 38.9% from the field this year in 24 games. Neil, that's incredible. They had five players shooting 36% or better from three. 
You tell me a better team. By the way, it's also Penny Hardaway coach team. What better team to have in the NCAA tournament than somebody, Penny Hardaway, and his guys from Memphis? I know they didn't get it done in the American, but they were 16-8. and eight, And they lost to Houston a three-seed, excuse me, a two-seed, twice by a pe- possession. And that Houston team went on to win the American championship. Oh, goodness, man. I could go on. All three of those teams, I think, had strong cases. But Belmont just being completely omitted from the postseason altogether really, really ruffled my feathers quite a bit. So for those who inquired, we know we've nagged you. We know we've knocked the Belmont Bruins from time and time and again. We know that this podcast and my website is named for those who inquired two years ago. But I'll stand for you this year, Belmont. I just think you got... You got robbed. Yeah. You got robbed. Oh, well. We're with you with it. I'll still be uh, enjoying watching the games Friday, though. Yeah, I'll be, I'm, I can't wait for the tournament. I, think, yeah. I mean, I mean, the blessing in disguise here is I've got some time to watch it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward there to it. Going to embrace it. Going to pop some popcorn, check out some games, see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I've had many opportunities to go to the tournaments. I, I, I love going. Uh, this, you know, no one got to go last year. At least someone's getting to go this year, so that's good. But uh, I, I always feel <laughs> I, I don't like to whine about not going when I take a look around the rest of the conference. I, I mean, I've, you know, Roger Ely, who's a call Tennessee Tech, he's been doing it 20 plus years. Yeah. Dude, he's never even got to go to one. Yeah. And I've got to go to, to several of them. Nothing to do with me because of the success of the racers. So I feel blessed every time I do get to go. And uh, you never know what's going to happen whenever you show up. Could be something magical, as we've seen from time to time. And that we have. Uh, it's been fun. And I think tomorrow's uh, the anniversary of the De Niro Thomas shot. Ooh. Yeah. Neil. That was fun. I'll, I'll leave you with this. All right. Uh, I was listening to you. You and I were not close friends at the time. I was in well, school. We're still not. Well, well that's fine. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we're not. We're not, we're definitely not close friends now. Just acquaintances at best. So Workplace the, proximity associates. If we're not, if we're not friends by this point, some of the things that I know about you, I'd like to. <laughs> I'd like my money back. All um, right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that was good. That's great. I, I think for me, quick story about that game. I was at Ryan's family restaurant. I used to work there part time, and that was an afternoon game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was breading chicken, and I didn't have a car at the time because I was super poor. This is why I was breading chicken because I needed to get a car. I was breading chicken and putting it on trays and then hitting them to the meat locker. You have to have it all pre-ready to go so you can just hit it in the fryer and roll with it. I'm listening to you in the meat locker. You and uh, I believe it was uh, who was on the call with you at that point. it was Paul Bubb. Paul Bubb, sure was. Mm -hmm. You and Paul Bubb calling the game. It's halftime. I'm ready to go. I go to my boss and I say, close game, racers playing Vandy, I'm ready to go. And he was like, all right, nobody's here. Everybody was at home watching games. Nobody was at Ryan's freaking buffet to eat food because we were all glued to a television somewhere. Of course. I was also waiting tables at Vitello's slash the Olive slash now tap 216 at the time. Hustling, okay. But I wasn't, I, I get on my bike, I motor through campus, I I must have just blitzed through traffic because I didn't miss a single minute of the second half. And when De Niro Thomas hit that three, of course, of course, 
it's the final possession anyways. Yeah, yeah. I'm out of my like I'm out of my couch and uh I'm at a friend's house and I literally luckily it was on the street that I lived cuz I I ended up just running up and down the street yelling. Uh De Niro, of course, the curl, the curl, the double curl, yeah. the handoff. De Niro Thomas hits it. I'm staring, hands on my knees, staring at the TV. You're playing in the background. We had it synced. <laughs> uh-huh. And you were just like, you are you went nuts. We went nuts. Tommy Rushing, may he rest in peace, former mayor of Murray, lived across the street. I literally ran out. Of sun, on Sunny Lane and ran up and down the road screaming, the racers effing won, the racers effing won. And it was, holy moly, I'll never forget it. I mean, we literally, like, I ran, like, up and down the street, like, holy crap, the racers beat fourth-ranked Vanderbilt. Uh, and it wasn't that a Vanderbilt team that had A.J. Ogilvy? Yeah, yeah. And Kevin really Stall- and Stallings? Mm-hmm. They were really good, man. I know. And then they almost beat Butler. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. One shot away from freaking that. Gordon Hayward. I know. And and Sheldon Mack, right? Yeah. Mm. And that Stevens guy's a pretty good coach too. Yeah, Brad Stevens. Yeah, he's all right. Coaching my Celtics now. They're mine. I own them. Okay. Neil's been fun, man. But it is March Madness. It was fun to relive that with you. Yeah, man. I remember seriously. Like I was so glued to the radio, and I just blitzed home as fast as I possibly could, and. uh Oh, it was just a blast. Just a blast. What a game. I'll never forget where I was. Me either. When I did enjoyed it. it. Yeah, you were right there. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, it's been fun, man. All right, thanks. Thanks. Thanks.